Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. He covers the Kansas City Chiefs for the Athletic, and he's a familiar face. We used to talk with him back in the day when he, for the Indianapolis Star, covered the Indiana Pacers. He is uh, Nate Taylor joining us now. Hello, Nate. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm great. JMV, how are you, man? Uh, good. Welcome back, man. It's good to have you back here, and you're probably feeling a hell of a lot better about the team you're covering and their possibility of winning than folks are around here about the Colts, Nate. <laughs> hey, 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 I, I look, um, you know, week three is always fascinating in the league because it's like, you know, is what you've seen over the last two weeks what you're going to see for the for the majority of the season, or is it just sort of this blimp? But, yeah, I mean, the, the Chiefs are, you know, one of the favorites of the AFC. I've been covering them. You know, really since, you know, Patrick Mahomes was given, uh, you know, the, the trade to Alex Smith, which gave him the, the ability to be the, the starter in Kansas City. But, you know, uh, I'm sure you guys know, obviously I lived in Indy for a number of years, and I consider it sort of my second Midwest home. Whenever these two teams play, it's never it's never straightforward, you know. Um, obviously the Colts lead the series. But, hey, you know, on a, I still remember on a Sunday primetime game when everybody thought the Chiefs were going to win, that the Colts, you know, ran out with a lot of man coverage and Frank Wright, sort of outcoached Andy Reid um, in a victory where, you know, Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback. So it's not out of the question that I think the Colts, the more desperate team, you know, obviously, you know, not having a win on their, on their, on their season yet um, could be formidable, but it's, it's fascinating because, you know, I think Patrick Mahomes in the dome, if people have not seen this man in person, um, there's really no experience like it in the NFL. Um, and, you know, I'm going to go back to that game in 2019 as well. Nate Taylor, who covers the Chiefs for the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And, and you're right. The, the Colts did a lot of what would be viewed as, and I, I hate this particular analogy or cliched analogy, but, you know, the kryptonite of the Chiefs back then certainly, and in large part probably would be viewed as the same today, as being able to run the football. And then, if you remember in that game, I can't remember who it was coming off the edge, but Irving, I think, was the left tackle at the time. That's right. And he That's got pushed right. into Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes was dinged up going into the game, but was still moving around in kind of Patrick Mahomes-esque fashion in that first quarter. And then once he got stepped on, that deflated his tire, and they were pretty much offensively done and the Colts were able to run the football and do a lot of what people suggest should be and could be done to beat the Chiefs so I'm thinking with the Vegas odds Nate going down from six and a half to five and a half as the Chiefs favorites I'm kind of wondering what this might be do, do, do people think they can run they being the Colts the football with Jonathan Taylor so I guess what I'm asking you is the Chiefs against the run so far what's been your impression yeah, well, it hasn't really been a problem yet. But, you know, JMB, they haven't played anybody near the caliber of Jonathan Taylor for obvious reasons, right? You know, Arizona has James Conner. He's okay. Um, he's more of a touchdown machine in the red zone, but they handled the Cardinals sort of in a ruthless manner to start the season. And then, as we all saw last Thursday night, you know, Austin Eckler is a very good scat back and all-around back, but, you know, that's a pass-first offense, which is, I think, the Chiefs' defense is sort of designed to do, right? They're sort of designed to rush the passer, and they have a really nice collection of young, you know, pieces in the secondary. I think from the from a Vegas standpoint, what, what makes sense to me is, you know, yes, Jonathan Taylor's excellent. I would assume that Indianapolis would like to try to, you know, establish the run, 
get some get some momentum on their side. Obviously, that's been one of the biggest things about their first two games that they just have not started off well. So you would assume, hey, if Jonathan Taylor is your best player on offense, give him the ball. And then you combine that with what we learned on Monday, which is one of the Chiefs' best linebackers, Willie Gay, was suspended four games for violating the league's personal conduct policy. He got into an altercation with the mother of his child back in January. You know, that basically came to a conclusion this week. So they're going to have to use some backups at the linebacker position. But, yeah, I think this is, you know, this has all the makings of, hey, it's the fourth quarter and it's probably in either team's chance to win the game. It's sort of a toss-up. Or I could see, hey, Jonathan Taylor's kept the team in the game. Maybe Matthew Ryan doesn't have as many turnovers. And, you know, the Chiefs, I won't say they're looking past, the, you know, the Colts, but they do have a Sunday night primetime game against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week four. Nate Taylor covers the Chiefs for the Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Through the first two weeks of the season, what has life been like for the Chiefs without Tyreek Hill? Man, that's a, that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked it because tomorrow I'm going to uh, hopefully have an article in the Athletic that sort of gives uh, an even greater, you know, understanding of what the behind-the-scenes situation has been like for Mahomes and his receivers. So basically, you take away the best deep threat in the game, right? who was a perfect marriage with the strong arm, accurate, deep ball quarterback in Mahomes. What they've done now is they've become a little bit more West Coast-like where they're using, uh, you know, the Patrick Mahomes essentially as a point guard. He is spreading the ball around better than ever before. And so, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster is reliable. Marquez Valdez-Scanlon has been, you know, pretty good at times this season. Um, Justin Watson, who was, you could argue their fourth or fifth receiver. Um, he's got the longest reception of the season, a 41-yard touchdown pass against the Chargers. So Mahomes still has Kelsey. And I would tell any Colts fan, every play essentially starts with Travis Kelsey. Wherever he is on the field, that will dictate what the Colts do on defense, which will then give Mahomes, you know, either A or B options to go off of. Um, Kelsey was excellent in the season opener against the Cardinals where he had over 100 yards. The Chargers, I thought, did a very good job to contain him in that Thursday night matchup to where it forced Mahomes to pick somebody else to beat the Chargers. Now, they did it a week ago. Can the Colts force Juju Smith-Schuster to beat him or Justin Watson again or Marquez Valdez-Scantlin? What you don't want if you're the Colts is to let Travis Kelsey dictate the, the middle of the field because when that happens, then everything else sort of opens up for Mahomes. How much has uh, been taken out of the playbook without Tyreek Hill and just that speed factor and just that worry factor of knowing that really nobody can handle him in the first place and you got Patrick Mahomes throwing to him. But uh, how much has, I guess, if any in this case, Nate, been taken out of the playbook offensively? Yeah, well, we, we haven't seen those straight just nine routes, right, where it's just like, hey, we see the one-on-one matchup. You know, they used to do this where, hey, Kelsey and Hill would be on the same side of the field and it would basically force the defense – to ask the question, like, are you going to play tight coverage against Kelsey to sort of force the deep ball, or are you going to obviously play back, and that just gives Kelsey so much space in the middle of the field? Um, so we haven't seen that many, like, designed go routes. But what they have done and what they showed against the Chargers, which could be applicable to the Colts, is those out and ups, those second moves, those double moves for receivers where you sort of anticipate that, hey, maybe this is an in-breaking route or intermediate route and then they push it further up the field. I think that's something Mahomes and his receivers have sort of started to like over the course of these first two games. And really it comes down to can the Chiefs establish the run so that those deep passes come off of play action, which was so 
unusual to what we all became accustomed to with the Chiefs, which is it was just, hey, if Patrick Mahomes runs around for three or four seconds, we all know where he's throwing the ball downfield. This time, I think Mahomes has got to be a better quarterback in terms of recognizing the defense, and then it's up to Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy to get those play-action looks so that you suck the defense in so that you can go over the top. So Nate Taylor joins us covering the Chiefs for the Athletic via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. Chiefs and Colts coming up on Sunday. I'll start that thing on Sunday morning with the ride to kickoff from the Bullseye Events Center beginning at 9 a.m. I uh, you, you look at this team right now and, you know, obviously you, you look at it defensively. Uh, how has it looked to you so far through two games? Because it's interesting. You had a couple of dynamic quarterbacks. Certainly defensively, yeah. this team had to work against. How did it look? And you go from that to a quarterback, Nate, last week, that offensive line-wise is supposed to be one of the best and certainly the highest paid here in Indy. Yeah, Jacksonville, all these twists and all this yeah. different stuff and just constantly ran Matt Ryan out of there. Are we expecting to see more defensively like that from Kansas City on Sunday here? No, you, you set it up and framed it perfectly. Um, the Chiefs love to do stunts, right? And it all centers around Chris Jones, their Pro Bowl, potentially all-pro defensive tackle. Um, because he's such a freak at 6'6 and has quickness to go along with his length, it sets up, you know, these perfect two versus ones or, or two on two stunts. And yeah, you know, watching the Colts on film, JMB, I, I've been sort of surprised because I thought Matt Ryan would have more time than he had in Atlanta. And unfortunately, it, it's been the opposite. Um, obviously, we all know about Michael Pittman not being there last week. Obviously, Alex, you know, Pierce, who I'm sort of interested to see as a rookie because the Chiefs took Sky Moore a couple of picks later in the draft. Um, this defensive line loves to get after the quarterback. You know, Steve Spagnuolo loves to blitz, so I won't be surprised if, hey, with Matt Ryan not being as mobile as Kyler Murray, not being as athletically gifted or, you know, can be as improvisational as, as Justin Herbert, hey, maybe this is where Spag says we, we unlock some of these blitzes that we've been working on, you know, since training camp and see if we can speed up Matt Ryan's clock. Um, if, they, if they can't run the ball, that being the Colts, then it really plays into the hands of the Chiefs because they've been one of the better teams at, at not giving up a deep pass this season. Um, and also, they started to be a little bit better at generating pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Nate, I also think about it this way, and you're absolutely right. If they can't run the football, uh, that's not going to work. And if defensively they allow the Chiefs to come out and put some numbers on the board where you have to go away from the run often and start throwing the ball to, besides Michael Pittman Jr., a lot of people just haven't done it and don't have that that type of background or resume in the NFL right. of producing. That's, that, that, to me, those are the two aspects are the most problematic could lead this thing down a really bad path for the Colts. Yeah, and, and I would just say for, for Colts fans that, that are listening, um, there's about four things you want to do on Sunday. You obviously need to run the ball effectively with Jonathan Taylor. But beyond that, you need to get a turnover too. And largely that comes to punching the football out. You know, Patrick Mahomes has not thrown an interception this season, but when the receivers do have the ball in their hands, you have chances in the middle of the field to maybe punch the football out and get a fumble recovery. The Colts need to go for it on fourth down, particularly in the red zone. And I know that did not work last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, yes, those are in sort of more desperate circumstances than you would want. But with the Chiefs, you're going to have to score in those high 20s, early, you know, low 30s um, to make sure that you are in position to win the game late. And then, and then fourth, um, it's got to come down to Matt Ryan just making overall better decisions and somebody being open. 
um, because what the Chiefs have done so well at is when you get a turnover, they feast and they sort of they're they're one of the best teams in the NFL, and I'm sure you guys know this. Once they get a lead, they are they are very comfortable being in that front position. So, um, you know what Justin Herbert tried to do last week was it was a 17-17 game. They were in the red zone. He made a poor decision based on a blitz, and it led to a 99-yard interception return for a touchdown. The Colts can't have anything similar like that happen because they need to overcome as many hurdles as possible to keep this game close. But, hey, you never know. You know, maybe this is a game, like I said before, where the Chiefs have had a 10-day break and they know Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are next. It's funny, too, you talk about punching the ball out, and obviously a year ago Shaquille Leonard was so good at that, and, and there's still a, a great deal of question whether or not he's going to, to return coming up on Sunday. I guess we'll find out officially at some point tomorrow. But, hey, Nate, fantastic. It's great to have you back. I'm, I'm, it's great that you're doing uh, that fantastic work in Kansas City covering the Chiefs. Hopefully we shall do it again. Enjoy the game, and uh, we'll look forward to the press box coming up on Sunday up there. Yes, sir. If you see me, please say hello. And uh, it's, it's, again, like I said, it's great to, to be on the on the radio with you guys back in my uh, my second my second hometown in, in Indianapolis. I loved it there. Um, I'm, I'll be interested to see what happens with the Pacers and Miles Turner specifically. But uh, but I'm, I'm so happy you guys reached out. Hey, I'm the uh, I'm the supporter of Miles Turner around here, so I'm really excited about the the tweets I'm going to get up until the trade deadline. This is going to be a really exciting year for me. <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. We'll see you Sunday. All right. Thank you, sir. It's uh, Nate Taylor of The Athletic. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, I know a lot, Mike, has been said about the Colts doing this, and part of the reason to believe is because this is just their customary thing of climbing out of – you know, the doldrums of the basement at the beginning of the season. But would you agree with me that last week didn't resemble a lot of what I have witnessed, and especially in the short-term past a year ago? Like, I wouldn't, to me, equate what we saw in Jacksonville last week to how they played, for example, against the Rams in week two last week. I think that's what makes me still against Kansas City on Sunday a very non-believer in this team until they show us. Well, that's a the problem is you know oh one and one, it's it, it's how you got there. That, yeah. that, that's what that's what's bothersome. And you know if if you if you played you know let's be honest if you played stronger teams and you played well on just darn it you just didn't win. That's one thing. Yeah. But to play against two of the teams that everyone is convinced is worse than you are, which right now that's not the case, and and to not play. You know, I'll give them two quarters at Houston. I thought they played well first half or first quarter, and then a great fourth quarter, and for the first drive of overtime. But Jacksonville, there's no, there's, there can be no excuse for it. There just isn't. And this team structurally is built to play and play well against Kansas City. I'm, I'm talking on paper. Hey, you got a strong offensive line. You can run the ball. You can control the passing game. Your defense can get after them. But none of that's happened. You know, they ran the ball well first game. But, again, last week just sort of skews everything to where it's hard to say, yeah, I can can see them coming out this week and really 
you know, putting it together and, and coming out with a win somehow or another. But until they do it, they've, you know, not to take care, but they're in the prove it range for me now. And right now they've not proven much of anything. No, they haven't. And and really, when you talk about it, I've said six and a half quarters, but whatever, as far as the first eight. But, Mike, they in, in those you know, six and a half quarters have looked completely unwatchable, dreadful. It's not just bad or inefficient in certain areas, certain categories. It's been across the board some of the blankiest football that we have seen well since January in Jacksonville and and to me until I see otherwise it looks more like a significant trend than just a blip on the radar well the again the only pushback I'll give you is that the the opener was them just doing everything they could to lose it I mean they had 500 and some yards one, one of the best games in the indie era as far as yards but you can't go two of five in the red zone you can't miss a you can't, you can't have a strip sack that, that, you know, that they had. You can't have a missed field goal. Everything in my mind is so skewed by Jacksonville, which until these guys prove it, they own you. They just do. Remember it's the game here last year with Jacksonville? It took yeah. that strip sack. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was driving. Yep. So, you know, and Styles make fights and all that stuff, so maybe that's some of it. But – I, I thought the most interesting comment that came out of the locker room yesterday was Matt Ryan. And I think there was a lot to it, good and bad, where he said, we're not going to be defined by what happened in Jacksonville. We're going to be d- defined by what we, how we come out of the game and what we do after that. And he's right. How, how do you respond? And if they go out and get their doors blown off Sunday, then they've got serious issues. If they can – if they can put things together and not turn the ball over four times and give up five sacks and all that, they give themselves a chance. Now, I heard you earlier, and I, I don't know how I fall on this. If they win, then, then all of a sudden Jacksonville's a distant memory until you play them again. But right. if you if you play really well and you really you're toe to toe with the Chiefs, and Mahomes just beat you in the last, in the fourth quarter. I, I think you can build off of that. Now it's still, it, it's still you're you're o two and one, but at least you've got something to build on, and if you build on it, but it, it, it's going to be how they respond. You know, it, it's one thing to say they're po and all this stuff. Well, fine, they, they act like you're angry and play like it. I was just discouraged by the the, the lack of want to that I saw in Jacksonville, and that that's bothersome. And it's got to be more than missing Shaq Leonard on defense. And I'm not sure it means a lot. I mean, we knew Michael Pittman meant a lot to him, but it, it, it really it really magnified the lack of playmaking. Not even playmakers, just, just players at wide receiver and, and oh, tight end as well. So they, they've got a chance, but until they show you that they can go out there and act like they know what they're doing and be competitive against the really good teams, then whatever slings and arrows people throw at these guys, all they can say is, you know, give it to us because that's all we've got. Because until they prove it, until they – and they've got some games they can do that. you got Tennessee coming up. you got Denver who all of a sudden, you know, how do they like the Russell Wilson deal right now? And, and you know, so it's still there. But only if they start playing well. 
and that's on them. And until they do it, 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 it it's all on them to get it straightened out. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59, we'll get into the right situation with you in just a second, but I want to see if you follow along with this. Um, it's not like I expect it, but it does make me wonder if we see another incredibly dismal performance from this offensive line against Kansas City Sunday, how much trouble do you think Chris Strasser's in, as much as I do? Oh, maybe, probably. I, yeah, I because I, if it's just a train wreck, you, how do you? How does the owner or somebody not say change something? Because this, this ain't working. You know, the, it's the old definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. So, and, and again, I'm not sure what a change at any level is going to matter. Whether it's the O line, whether it's a coach, GM. I mean, I, I don't know what it's going to do. But you know, we, I, we talked to all the guys yesterday: Braden Smith and Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson and. And they, they, they're the first to admit they're not playing at their le- level. I don't think they've played at their level for two years, a, a, a year and two games. I yeah. thought they were very substandard last year. So it, it's – and I thought the fact that Jonathan Taylor had 1,800 yards last year was amazing, considering how inconsistent the line was. Well, that was primarily pass protection, not run blocking. But that's – that's when, when, when your, your core – principles are offensive line defensive line and the defensive or the offensive line is just overwhelmed by jacksonville it 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 just sends up red flares and you and i've talked to you more than me but i i was sort of there with you the defensive line after two games you know what okay they're 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 doing strong against the run okay good but they're not getting around the quarterback and affected him at all and if you give Patrick Mahomes that kind of treatment Sunday, it's going to be a long day. Well, I've been extremely difficult on a person that I was very excited about seeing here for the first time, and that was Yannick Ngakwe. I was really excited, talked him up a great deal, and not only has he been non-existent in what we have expected through two weeks, at some point they're going to end up having to take him off the field during running plays because he doesn't have anything to do with that most of the time. And, you know, somebody from PFF told me back in the summertime that he was a good, quote, rotational player. And through two weeks, that's the type of player that he has has been, and he hasn't even been good at that. So I, it, I that defensive line has been, other than Grover Stewart, just an incredible, and I guess if you want to say quitty pay for that one series of the two sacks in Houston, has been just beyond a high-level disappointment for me. Well, because that, that's where, you know, that's where it starts with his defense is you're supposed to get the pressure from the front four with, with not a whole lot of blitzing. and But but the back end, they, you know, they've not given up the big play, but, boy, they've given up the – death by a thousand paper cuts and that's what you know one thing that i think that's what mahomes is really kind of not transitioned into because he'll take his shots but he's really gotten patient to where he'll 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 just just tear you apart with those 8 10 12 15 yard receptions and that's why i say you just you just have to if it was easy to fix they would fix it and again it's only two games i realized that but, you know, defensively, they've had a chance to make a couple of plays. Uh, Blackman dropped an interception. Uh, Gilmore dropped an interception. 
They've got the one takeaway by EJ Speed, and that's it. They're not making plays that turn, you know, the big third down stop. They're just not making enough of those. And when you're not winning, everything looks bad, probably worse than it really is. But what do you hang your hat on after two games? I just don't know where you say, yeah, they're struggling, but they're doing this, which gives me hope that they can come out of this. And again, the way this league is, it, it, it does change in a hurry. It can. But it's just hard to say, I see Matt Ryan pulling this team out of this because if he doesn't have time, he had zero time on Sunday. Maybe he maybe he is, you know, past. He, of course, he's past his prime. But maybe he's past where he can be effective. But there are very few quarterbacks that you could have put behind that line uh Sunday in Jacksonville and, and look competent. There was no time. You know, Jonathan Taylor, five carries for four yards in the first half, really. Uh, it, it, it's all of them. And when they make Jonathan Taylor look like a very ordinary player, that's how bad the offensive line was. Yeah, and I've mentioned this before. I said this on Monday, too, is you can't have it. You know, the highest paid offensive line in the NFL right. – and you're going to say, well, you're going to have a bad day. Yeah. The highest paid offensive line in the NFL, you can never, ever with this group have a day that look like that. Because as I mentioned on Monday, and I know we throw this term around often, but, Mike, it was a joke. That was a joke performance from that group on Sunday in Jacksonville. Well, And then to make it worse, you know, the, the receivers just didn't didn't do anything. We, we knew that it was going to be Michael Pittman and – and, and the rest, but I, I really didn't expect it to be that ineffective without him. And you, you, you don't need great plays, but you know the the third down drop by by Des Patman, you just and who knows it, it may have meant it may have changed nothing, nothing. The interceptions they dropped might have meant nothing, but make the plays and give yourself a chance, give you some some juice to play with. And I just uh, it, it was really hard to watch. They went from five hundred and some yards to. 215 or whatever and it was on them the, the the thing that's scary is jacksonville has sort of got some pieces in place they got a head coach they've got a young quarterback who i think is going to be pretty good not if he's gonna be great but he's gonna be pretty good and they got two pass rushers two young pass rushers so they've got some pieces in place that you like to say that the colts have but you don't so I, you know, right now one, one franchise is sort of moving up, and one franchise the arrow's kind of trending down, and that's not what this owner wants to see. Yeah, it's pretty funny you talk about that too because the Jacksonville was clowned back in March for paying that much money and setting the market uh-huh. on Christian Kirk, and that guy through two games has three touchdown receptions, and Jay, Zay Jones looks pretty good with them as well, uh, and then you talk about your edge rushers that they have. Uh, organizationally, honestly, Mike, from top to bottom, it, this wasn't just one week. They looked at that moment superior in basically every single facet to that of the Colts. And that that should be something, I think, worth watching as this season moves along. Yeah, uh, you just have to let some of this play out. And, and we're, we're impatient. We all are. Uh, and the team can't can't really knee jerk you just because it doesn't you know once you go into september this is your team it just is for, for the most part this this is who you hook your wagon to and 
And if there were five or six things we talked about in the offseason, moves that they made or didn't make, almost every one of them hasn't worked. Almost every one of them. You know, Matt Pryor left tackle. Uh, they need to, they need to give him some time to sit and watch, and they can't because Bernard Ryman really isn't ready yet. The receivers, I mean, how how, how much louder could we have shouted that out? And that hasn't worked. And I'm probably more a little more disappointed in, in in the tight ends. They're even less effective than the receivers, and we've been pounded on the receivers for a while. And Godway well, well, had a chance to make a play and get yeah. that right foot down in the end zone, and he didn't on Sunday. So right, right, and he, he was pushed. It was a good defensive play, but yeah. but still, it's just you got to make plays. You just can't you just can't meander your way through a game. You got to make plays that kind of shock the defense and or the offense with a sack or whatever. And they're not doing that. And again, what's great about the NFL is it's week to week, and boy, you're high and you're low and all this. And, when it's not going good, I mean, it's just – you get piled on, and that's the way it is. And it's – it's that's what you expect. That's what you have to expect if you're not playing well. And the fan base is angry. And, you know, the fan base should be angry. It, it Everything is built up – and, and we, we built it up as much as anyone did. But this is a team with the moves that were made – and almost universally, although left tackle and receiver, we were never on board with that. This team, even with that, this team should compete for the AFC South. That's how we all look at it. They were the slight favorite. Even, even Vegas agreed with that. And right now, that's not the case. Right? You know, whoop, you know, big whoop. You're 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 tied for second place in the division, and already people are are hanging their hats on. Well, you know, Tennessee got blown out at Buffalo, and you know. And they, they could lose this week, too. Well, that, that, that's not where you should be. Take care of your business and put pressure on the other teams to win and not be waiting. You know, in September, you're, you're saying, well, you know, they lost, too, and they look pretty bad in, in Buffalo. Well, that's, that's no way to be. The fan base should be angry because everyone's talked this team up. All, everyone has talked this team up, everyone. And right now they're just they're doing nothing to give you any reason to believe there was any reason to have done that. So, uh, you know, maybe they come out of this, if not this week, then Denver or Tennessee and then Denver. Denver's not what we thought they'd be, at least not yet. But until they kind of get it together, all the, you know, they have no defense for the criticism that coming their way, none. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 is with us. We've talked about what the Colts could do to wipe the slate clean on Sunday against the Chiefs. Let's talk about what, may happen if they don't and if things get worse and then you go into Tennessee coming here a week from Sunday and have that be it. I, I've said this. I don't know if I've told you this, but my, my thought is people ask me all the time. I'm sure they ask you as well. What would it take to see Jim Irsay do something he's never done? Break new ground on getting rid of a coach in season. And my thought is, if they were to go 0-3 and 1 to start, and that three would be at home against Tennessee, a game that clearly the owner wants really bad because he's constantly mentioned Tennessee in the offseason. That my feeling right there is that's where we would see new ground possibly broken, as far as that's concerned. What about you? I, I wouldn't rule it out. It would. Yeah, I was going to say depending on how you got to 0-3 and 1. But now, if if 
I wasn't there in the owners' meetings, but I, I, I listened in on Zoom. The way he went on about Tennessee, about, you know, kick, getting your butts kicked every time and aren't you tired of that and all. Yeah, I, that, that would – if they came in here and, and just dominated, I I still don't know if he would do it or not because I don't know other – than, other than allowing him to vent. And, I mean, how often how often do changes matter? And if it's that bad, I'm not sure what a change would do. I really don't. Uh, I, I hope we don't get to that point. But I, I tell you, if, it, if it's if Casey comes in here and does to you what people think they might do, and then Tennessee, and then Tennessee, then that would be you know the tipping point. I I hope not. I I I, I don't think Frank has lost his team. I don't. Although <laughs> there, I, I the Jacksonville thing is just hard to get out of your mind. Yeah. But that would be that would test the owner's patience, and and whether he could just go into his office and, and just scream, if that would do it, break one of his guitars, which would <laughs> wouldn't be smart as much as he paid for him. But that's what I say. They they, they it's it's on them to get this straight. It's on them to settle the owner down. It's on them to give the, the fan base a reason to believe that you, the fact you've got 15 more games is a good thing. Uh, so it, it's. I'm really curious how this team responds the next game or two because, like like Matt Ryan said, that that's what's going to determine who we are is how we respond to this, and that's good and bad. That can be good or bad. No doubt about that. Hey, injury wise, Shaquille Leonard. I I was told back in training camp that this would be the game where you could expect him to return, although listening to him talk today, it kind of sounded like it did a week ago and then two weeks ago, so uh, I don't have a great feel that that's going to happen. What do you think? Same. I was there talking. We were talking to him, and I, he, felt, he feels better this week than he did last week, but he felt better last week than he did the week before. I don't know. Uh, I, it, it's really hard to get a grip on, on where he's at, and he's as frustrated as anybody because he knows he can make a difference now. Whether it made a difference last week, I don't know. I'm probably more interested in, in Michael Pittman, and he and he was limited again today. Uh, I, I would think it's fair to say that if he plays Sunday, he won't be a hundred percent. But I'd take him at eighty percent right now. He gives you at least a threat, a presence. Uh, if, if you give me one or the other to play, I'd take Pittman all day over Shaq just because uh, because of what they do on offense without him. They just um, what kind of practice did they have last Wednesday? The kind of because I know, but Kenny Moore played last week, but he also got dinged up a little bit in that practice, and they called it very physical. Um, any, anything out of the ordinary, or just your regular practice kind of injury thing. Well, we only see we only see like fifteen minutes of practice now, and it's when they're stretching and individual stuff. So we don't see that. We tried to check with Pittman today on when he actually hurt his quad and. He's he's drunk enough, drank enough of the Kool Aid to where you know I'm not talking injuries and all that, which is you know that's fine. And if I'm a player, I'll do the same way. But we're trying to figure out was it in the game, was it in practice? So we don't know. Uh, so yeah, the, I, as far as when injuries happen in practice, we don't get much of an update on when, unless it's something really serious. So your guess is as good as mine. Wonderful. All right. Well, I'll see you in the press box coming up on Sunday. This should be uh, should be something. Should be a lot <laughs> of fun. I, I tell you that 
game Sunday, though, Mike ranked, and I know we both go all the way back, and you covering this game absolutely go all the way back. Um, there were not a lot of games out there in the history of this franchise being an indie that were as bad as from top to bottom performance-wise and a watch than what we witnessed on Sunday. That was even worse than the January game. There was just more on the line in January. Right. And one thing that I've always thought, and I still believe it, is, is when you're so ineffective on offense, and they were, it makes everything, everything look yes. awful. Uh, now, I, I'm not even bailing the defense out at all, but when, when when you just can't get things done on offense, it just it just magnifies how bad everything else is. And that was one of the worst offensive performances that we've seen in quite a while. It was, especially that line. That line, no doubt. All right, I'll see you up in the press box, Mike, coming up on Sunday. I appreciate you. Be good. See you later. It's a Mike Chapel of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore on the Motive Group Hotline. 